Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Whoa, that old queen A candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age So please listen at your own discretion Presented by Bernie and Tommy The views here are purely those of the content providers And in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on now, please let your ears be upstanding for the <coughs> old queens. Good evening, Mr. Tom Marshman. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I've got my gin and tonic on the go. There was no lemons in Marks and Expensive, so I'm doing it with a cucumber. Uh, okay, <laughs> as you do. Yeah. <laughs> I like it with a cucumber anyway. <laughs> I've heard you like a few things with cucumber. <laughs> I am as cool as a cucumber. <laughs> you certainly I did, are. I did a I did a theatre workshop where we had to identify our inner vegetable, and I mine was a cucumber. Oh, okay. I'm not quite sure what vegetable I would be. Um, maybe a parsnip. I was going to say a root veg. Yeah, I'd definitely be a root vegetable. You're quite branded. <laughs> And earthy. <laughs> anyway, we later on we're going to be joined by Timberlina, who does a podcast Ooh. called Live from Rye, I believe. Yeah, and I was a guest. I was a guest on um, Tim's show yesterday. Right. So we're doing a hostage exchange. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um i so you remember last week i was i did what that old kink and they mentioned the ancient egyptians so i decided to uh, delve into them a bit more so for what that old kink we're gonna go back to egyptian times this week lovely um, i love the egyptians and i just have some godchildren i'm terrible i'm the most terrible godparent I completely ignore them for most of their uh, lives but recently I did think about that and I saw this beautiful book a sort of pop-up 
book about the Egyptians and I bought it for them and sent it to them. It's got like all this gold stuff that you can cut out and, you know, it's like an activity book. Oh, lovely. I mean, it's it's the mother of all civilizations. We're all drawn to it in some respect, aren't we? But we, we're going to be doing some bizarre sexual facts about their uh, civilization today. But um, before we do that, should we do what Brilliant. that really old queen, who have you got for us today? Well, I've got, I, I just felt like I wanted to say, you know, like if we're looking at sort of queer gay role models from the past, it, we, we really have to, you know, give some space and honour um, all of the lovely uh, men that passed from HIV and AIDS. Totally. And that's that's really what I wanted to focus on um, with this old queen, who was John Curry, who was a figure skater, um, sort of in the 70s and 80s. Do you remember John? I do. Being I on- do remember him. And I watched a documentary about him relatively recently. Yes, um, it's a brilliant documentary. Quite innovative um, uh, as a, an, an ice skater. Didn't he always want to be a ballet dancer? Yeah, particularly in the sense of combining da- like the beauty of dance and and athleticism all in one all in one go. Yeah. And actually he was born in 1949 so he would probably have only been in his 70s by now. So Right. I think he qualifies as an old queen. Um <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He like um like a few of our um old queens like Frederick the Great I was thinking I had a very difficult relationship with his father right there's a story about um his father giving him a bit of money and um Sean going off to the record shop and buying some classical music like the nutcracker and stuff like that and the father saying well I thought you would buy something that might come in useful and really wanted to be just a classical ballet dancer I think because Mm. there was a relationship with ice skating that was kind of associated with sports then that was kind of deemed okay for the family um and so he sort of did his ice skating really struggled to kind of be keep up the practice and um he was so he's kind of working like ice skating in the morning from six till 12 and then working in a supermarket and that's kind of how he rolled for a couple of years really and entering all the kind of big competitions um and actually having a quite nice time but quite a hard life having boyfriends um that documentary that I think you're talking about is kind of punctuated with letters letter exchanges that he has with um an early boyfriend called Heinz who seems like a lovely man yes Uh, definitely the letters are lovely yeah and it kind of gives you quite an insight into his character until he gets to the stage where he's like in the big competitions like the Olympics and in some kind of press interview he inadvertently tells that interviewer that he's gay um and that's kind of a big leak at the time but actually moving on from that he doesn't seem to suffer much problems with that the the press seem to kind of not really bother him with that with that with his with his sexuality because he came out so soon do you think he wasn't really hiding it so they had nothing on him really 
Exactly. Yeah. He he was un- unapologetic in that way, really, and he didn't give them any chance to um, d- ha- have any doubt about it. I guess. And then he joined, and then he started becoming a, a professional. Um, so he sort of dropped the competitions and entered into um, dance ice theatre and um, moved to New York, got a sponsor who kind of um, different things happened to him. Oh, yeah. So, so similar trajectory to and kind of Torval and Dean, wasn't it? Who, who did all that stuff after I'm him? I'm not sure about Torval and Dean. Yeah, I think oh. they did shows after they stopped be, 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 competing. In terms of choreography, in terms of choreography, I think that was that, that he led the way with that. Do you remember Robin Cousins? Yes, I was just going to say talking about Robin Cousins. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> because in Bristol, I grew up with the Robin Cousins Sports Centre, and Robin Cousins. Um, I think it's the opposite in in the sense that John Curry was was very open. I think Robin Cousins doesn't talk about his sexuality. Um, the Robin Cousins Sports Centre closed down in 2000, I think, and became a warehouse. And then it's now been burnt down, so it's not been done very well. Did they ever catch the person that burnt it down? Tom. <laughs> what are you incinerating? What am I incinerating? I think it's already been incinerated. <laughs> well, maybe as we have a dismembered voice in our recording right now, should we welcome Timberlina? Uh, uh, I think one of the hosts live from Rye. Hi, you're right, sweetheart. Yeah, Timberlina was in fact here earlier, but she's gone now, unfortunately. Yes, I saw on Instagram. Um, have you met Ben? You, would you like to meet Bernie? Hello. Hi, Bernie. Lovely to meet you. Cheers. Lovely to meet you too. Okay, so should we carry on? All right. So yeah, feel free to interject at any point. So, um, so back to John Curry. Yes. So he's he's left the um, the competition world, and now he's set up um, an ice dance uh, theatre session. And he gets involved with uh, um, a man called Ron. Ron doesn't seem to be very popular with a lot of people that um, uh, surrounded John Curry. He to involve in lots of um, sadomasochistic um, activities, um, which I guess was a, a bit of an well, probably an eye opener for John, but also probably took him into realms that maybe he wasn't interested in or shouldn't have gone into. Mm. And he's quite a complicated character john in terms of like there's always this feeling of the dense dark sort of sense of melancholy that surrounds him and a feeling of being very alone mm. i think story of my life <laughs> isn't it the story of all our lives in a way um i think he was so innovative i mean we wouldn't have modern ice skating without him um because he i mean at the time they questioned his style because he was combining like ballet and jazz with ice skating but he created a whole new modern style yeah i mean this is amazing routine that i've seen that is got a music score by jean-michel jarre he's wearing like a white amazing jumpsuit and all of the dance all of the skaters around him are wearing like red jumpsuits and it's just so kind of futuristic but also 80s in that way that the 80s was yeah 
Yeah, and I love it. And at this point, I think you've kind of, kind of got to see it all in a context, really, what was happening in America, because he was kind of working a lot more in New York, really. Mm. And that was when the AIDS crisis was really at, its, at, at the very beginning, really. And the Reagan administration was so, like, hideous connections between morality and medicine. Yeah. That. Funny how times change, isn't it? <laughs> how do you mean by that? It hasn't changed at all. That's exactly what Trump is doing. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, so when he got seriously ill, he 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 obviously retired. He came back to um, came back to England and lived with his mother. But there's this story about him being associated with Alan Bates. Oh. Did you know about? Him? No, he's like um, he's the most gorgeous actor I think. Alan Bates. Yeah, definitely uh, beautiful. Quite fluid in his sexuality. Mm. I think he sort of has a, a sense that he wants to um, play those kind of characters. He has an attraction to, to yeah, gay yeah. characters. But apparently he died in Alan's arms. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Doing a plie. I mean, if you've got to go, then you then that's a good place to, to finish it. Well, if you're going to die in anyone's arms, that's great. Yeah, but I mean, as you say, like he was a real innovator in innovator in um i stance i i was just so um drawn to him as a kid and the innate and jumpsuits i guess <laughs> um have you got any jumpsuits in your wardrobe i've got lots of <laughs> <Have> you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to post some pictures up of jumping in your jumpsuits how about you tim have i got any jumpsuits yeah um, what I've got a, mm, I don't know. How do you feel about a, a, a what do you call it? What is it called? It's, it's, it's not a jumpsuit, but it's a backless trouser suit. Uh, I, I'm loving it. That's how I feel I've about it. <laughs> I used to have an all in one ski outfit, but sadly that, um, I don't know, disappeared in the move. Oh, me, me and is that you going off? Yeah, it's me. I should, I should have put my phone on silent. <laughs> Someone's scruffing me as we record. <laughs> me and Tim always, you know, we've, we've, we've worked together quite a lot. And and I guess we differ in a way that I describe it as a caftan. Tim describes it as a moo-moo. <laughs> and never the same shall meet. Okay. <laughs> Can't beat a good jumpsuit. And also, you've got a, quite a good boiler suit collection as well. Which yeah, I have, yeah. I mean, where do you, how do you draw the line between a boiler and a jump? But I tell you what I did get. I did, I did succumb to the dungarees. Is that through my gentle well, Yes, no, you don't like to turn up to parties wearing the same clothes as your friends, do you? You know. That's true. And it's a tricky item because knowing the likes of you and also, you know, Tommy Bloon and whatnot. Um, so I just think it's a demonstration of a garment that is a strong piece uh, but is also incredibly comfortable, versatile, and makes me feel very comfortable. You know, very very confident in, and I like a piece of clothing that makes me feel confident. Odd that it should be dungarees, given that I'm a, you know, glamorous house lady. But anyway, <clears throat> <laughs> and it's think- that kind of cat you feel, you know. Have you got any dungarees, Bernie? No, I, I don't have any dungarees, but, but I would. Don't. I would like a boiler suit, but I, I don't have one of those either. Um, but you know, I feel that these are items which are will be coming into my wardrobe rapidly after lockdown is over. Um, Do you think that you're going to be wearing different things after after lockdown finishes? 
Um, I hope so. Are you still buying clothes? No, I've stopped buying clothes. I am looking. You were doing that before lockdown, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. Have we have we finished uh, with what that really old queen? Well, okay. I've, kind of, I've tried to sort of condense it down, um, but I I think it, he's a very interesting, complex character, John Curry, to look up. Mm. And um, and some beautiful moves. Yeah, totally. And a beautiful man as well. Well, we'll post some pictures mm. up on our Instagram account. Um, mm. Well, I, ch- cheap, but I think they describe him as like having a body that was like perfect triangle, so very broad shoulders and tiny waist. Yeah, I mean, like you, Tom. <laughs> definitely not like me. Uh, there's no tiny waste here. So, uh, should we should we talk about uh, Tim? Tim, uh, you're a professional yeah. forager, I hear. A professional forager is that is that possible? I don't know. Yes, basically, <laughs> I get paid to get I I get paid to pick up shit for free. <laughs> Great. We're, we're the only truth. I mean, perfect, right? So we I, we, I do love to forage. Yeah. We normally do a, a feature called Snack Out of It, which um, oh, yeah, when do. Tommy and I are together, we, we taste Ooh. exotic snacks. Um, obviously, it's a little bit redundant because we're all separate at the moment. But, you know, yeah, hence we've got you on to talk a little bit about foraging and also about your podcast. I mean, that's very kind of food based and plant-based isn't it yeah it is actually yes it is it's well it's basically two housewives in right talking about what they've been up to <laughs> and um <laughs> it's lovely because i mean basically what it boils down to is that all we get up to is cook things and um exchange recipes uh, and um, share food uh, and seeds and uh, moan about you know things people men mostly <laughs> but you <laughs> there has been talk about exchanging of logs recently i beg your pardon <laughs> there's been talk about exchanging logs there has been talk about exchanging logs yes is this a cultural exchange or just wooden logs <laughs> it's a metaphorical paradigm <laughs> okay. it just to me the podcast feels very much about like um last and and doing the oh back- gosh yes yeah. it's all about homespun and it's all about, also about, you know we do go off on a bit of a one and you know because there's nothing like a good moan but we like to think that we're you know it's like we're not tr- we're, no, we're in no way bitchy like there's not a sort of a bitchy kind of inch between us but we moan about the things that we despair and one of the things is why you know why do people feel compelled to buy new- i mean we know why it's a rhetorical question in a sense but like we get so much pleasure out of making things and fixing things or cooking things or finding things or sharing things you know it's like the idea that you would actually want to go out and spend money on certain things be that food be that an item of clothing or something you know like an an oddment or an ornament or some kind of thing you need around the house um we're very fortunate enough to live in a in a tiny small town which is um affectionately referred to town of five thousand alcoholics cling to a rock um <laughs> it is a rock sticking out of the romney marshes on the south coast but because of that comes this delightful uh, whimsical isolation um which kind of gives us full access to everything that we want um so we're quite spoiled so it's basically two white middle class people being spoiled and bitching about people who maybe don't have the time or the resources to actually get their shit together but that is quite different from the other side of you, which is the glamorous drag queen that presents bingo every Monday, well, not anymore, but at the Vauxhall Tavern and exactly. at, at National Portrait Gallery, all those other things that you do. Yes, 
Um, but I mean, you know, you're looking at those bull, gown, bull gowns, none of those are first hand, they'd be second hand, wouldn't they? I personally think that there is, I mean, assuming it's clean and of a high, you know, quality, I quite like, although I'm now staring at this wonderful um, piece, this beautiful uh, kimono that I had made for a gig that's also reversible, and that's fabulous. Um, but that's why we have Arts Council grants. Um, and when we don't have Arts Council grants, then maybe we're a little bit more resourceful. I just find it, you know, I've got one or two pieces which perhaps were new. I get much more pleasure wearing things that other people have had and worn. Not in, a, in any other way than I just love. I like longevity and I like legacy mm. and I like that sort of where it's come from and I like the idea that it could go somewhere else. That sort of everything is transient. And I just, it's funny when that idea is so ingrained in your brain, it's really hard to just take other stuff for granted. It's very hard to be frivolous. I think that's the thing both for Justine and myself. We're not really, we're not really frivolous. And it's a weird thing because it's like for so many people, it's very easy to be frivolous. It's very easy for me to be frivolous. I don't know about you, Tommy. And I'm just not. And it's like, it feels like in culture. Are you well, I don't think I, I probably am perceived as, but I'm actually not. And, the, and I think about when I spend money, I think about it for quite a long time. Like, like that time that I was with Tim recently, we did a residency in Stroud for a week. And then we popped into Stroud and we went to this vintage store. It's great. Do you remember? I don't, how could I forget? It was yeah. the seminal moments of last year. <laughs> and there was this this woman she we just walked in the store and this woman Stimpon, looked at her and she said i've got just the dress for you two oh God, I, call it, I call it the divine dress and so it's this beautiful black sort of taffeta ruchi rococo delicious it del- and it fit you like a glove it fit and me, it yeah. totally it- showed off your shoulders and you just look sensational in it yeah and it's so funny because you didn't get it on the day and you felt so virtuous and we went off feeling so virtuous and so virtuous and virtuous. And then like a week later, I checked in with Tommy and he bought it. But because, <laughs> because Tim said, I think if you get that Arts Council grant that you're waiting for and if you get that gig at the Wallace yeah. Collection, you should get it. And two of those things happened and that's why I spent £80 on a dress. But I would never do that normally. I think you mentioned it in, the, uh, in a previous episode. <laughs> well, it's my anecdote. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tim, have you got any top tips to give people during lockdown? Create a bit of a structure. Doesn't matter how little it is. And, and I, for me, I'm finding it quite useful to get things achieved first thing in the morning because there's a lot of the rest of the day to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. So I just feel that having achieved one or even two things first thing in the morning that might be a little out of the ordinary, I've at least I've achieved them. So it's a bit like, right, oh, cool, I've done two things. It doesn't matter how bad the rest of the day is. At least I've achieved two things. And so that's my big tip, I think. For me and also um inventing very interesting um cocktails okay what what, is that? yeah what's the interesting cocktail it's one of those funny flavored gins that we all got at christmas but we didn't open because it looked a bit sweet <laughs> and now there's very little else left so i'm having to go to that <laughs> do you know how to make gin well i mean uh, theoretically yes i know how to flavor it and make a slow gin that's basically you get a cheap bottle of uh, lovely little uh, other cheap supermarkets are available and um you freeze your slows i tend to freeze my slows maybe use them actually the year ahead because then they um they break down in the freezer whilst they're freezing and so when you put them in they don't need to be popped otherwise you have to burst them all 
so that the juices flow. I think they're more fruity when, oddly, when they have been frozen. Anyway, and then to that, you might add a little bit of cinnamon, say a cinnamon stick and a bit of star anise to flavour, whatever you want, really, and then leave it in there for a minimum, I would say, of 12 weeks, three months. So when you pick your slows, get them early in the season so you can have it right for Christmas time. So by the time lockdown's over, everyone's going to have slow gin. Well, now is not the time for slows. However, sorry, that was seasonal... um, Pick up on my part. Um, easily done when you never leave the house. Right now, we're really big on ramsom, which is the wild garlic, which is amazing and found in um, found in sort of damp, covered um, hedgerows, maybe towards the water sides. Um, and any second now, the flowers are going to explode. You can eat the whole thing. You can eat the leaves, the stems, and the flowers are specifically are amazing. What would you eat your flower with? What do you eat flower? I mean, you can. They're gorgeous garnish. They're really great in a salad. They look fantastic. I mean, the leaves are lovely in a salad. What you can also do is you you can wrap up, say, a mackerel or a fish or maybe a chicken breast. You can wrap that up in a wild garlic leaf and then just a little bit of olive oil. You stick that into a nice hot oven and leave that in there for three quarters of an hour-ish. That, and it just the flavour is incredible. It's like proper garlic, like a clove, but it's it's the whole formation. And the, the rice right. and spread around during the year. It only comes out for about two months in the year. But it's really popular right now. <laughs> Very versatile salad. Salads, cooking, baking. You can make pesto out of it as well, can't you? Pesto, you can make a really good pesto with walnuts and or any other kind of nuts that you have, actually. Just, you know, it's a little bit more rustic, but there's a walnut pesto, which is sensational. That little recipe is fantastic. And it doesn't necessarily, a hard cheese, definitely, but say a hard goat cheese is good. Or, um, oh, I can't eat goat's cheese. Oh, okay, fine. It's not for Well, me. then, you know, a parmesan, again, from Lidl. Parmesan know. is good for me. Lovely olive oils. Anyway, Tim, you're, are you going to you're going to stay with us throughout the, the duration? Right. We're going to talk about um, bizarre sexual habits of the Egyptians, and then we're going to do some agony art questions. So it'd be good to ha- get your input on that. That's perfect. Um, we're going to have a little break, but before we do, I'm going to do some inspirational quotes to help us through lockdown. This one's from Nelson Mandela: "It always seems impossible until it is done." Yes. doesn't it just every day may not be good but there's something good in every day and that's from alice morse earl who was an american historian apparently what's been good in your day today other than recording this obviously that's good Sorry, and this has been really nice. It's been a lovely focus to know that this was happening at the end of the day. And I, yesterday I was really just... And so this morning I woke up and I was a little bit in the doldrums. But then I suddenly had this miraculous list of things to do, which at once was like, oh my God, I've got a list of all these things to do and I hate my life and I can't do anything and I don't know what I'm doing here and what does it all mean? And But I just started doing the list and then it was like amazing. And then before I knew it, it was 20 minutes before I had to call you. So I got in there early. Sorry about that. <laughs> Glad you did. okay and finally from dolly parton the way i see it if you want the rainbow you gotta put up with the rain can i get an amen to that (laughs) okay uh we'll have a little break and we'll be back after this Right, so we're back, uh, and Tim's still with us, and um, we're going to do uh, what that old king, and um, 
you remember last time I was talking about uh, Egypt and the Egyptians yeah, and that. some kinky stuff that they get up to? Well, I got quite intrigued about the Egyptians, so I decided to look them up again. And on the same site, which is List First, um, they've got a list of 10 bizarre sexual facts from ancient Egypt. So the, the first one... Because, I mean, masturbation's on a lot of people's minds, especially if they're isolating on their own at the moment. But in one ancient creation myth, the Egyptians believed that the universe came into being from an act of the god Artem masturbating. He gave birth to a pair of twin gods, and that was the first act of creation. I mean, have you ever given birth to a pair of twin gods during a well, wang? It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> 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 do you know what i love that that is such a great alternate truth to um adam and eve right it's uh I, I love the fact that it's down to masturbation rather than the act of creation exactly how was the world created he had a wank yeah <laughs> that just says it all really doesn't it <laughs> there we are well, perfect i love it what um messing about well, and this followed through uh, into the pharaoh's behaviour, who ceremoniously used to masturbate into the Nile to give and gain the river's power of fertility. In fact, their word for semen, progeny, and the floods of the Nile were all the same word. So the river Nile is the river, river semen. Wow. Tim has muted himself, I think. Has he? <laughs> <laughs> I was... Anyway, because so you, did, you didn't know what you didn't want know what to say to that. I mean, does the River Nile look like semen? I'm not sure. No, but again, isn't it a bit more of a? It's more of the um, the romantic analogy of the yeah, the ebb and flow of love. Well, apparently, it's the fertilizing floods of the Nile they saw as having the same properties as semen. So, uh, anyway, moving on, that homosexuality was also seen as quite normal in the Egyptian society, but the dominant partner was seen as having a higher social status. So the top was higher than the bottom. So this played out in the story of Seth and Horus, which I think we tapped into last time, because they used to fight over who would inherit the throne of Egypt. And they would wrestle and try and make each other bottom for the receiver of semen. (laughs) However, Isis managed to trick Seth into eating Horus's semen and handed him the victory. I love that this is like... An ancient legend of their gods. It's so much better than the other. It just sounds like a, the bear bar on a Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, have you ever wrestled to see who will take the semen or not? Uh, Alan Bates has. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. I think when lockdown, when lockdown finishes, I might be up for a wrestle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, def- I'm up for a wrestle now. But, you know, obviously it's not part of the social distancing etiquette yeah. at the moment what what else isn't also part of the social uh distancing etiquette is bestiality now what do you think and then we touched on this last time what beast do you think the egyptians uh used to choose to have sex with unicorn if only wasps wasps <laughs> no, that was cleopatra Bears. <laughs> uh well would you believe yeah. crocodiles Ooh, how does that work? I, they used to roll them over and then kind of 
fuck them, basically. So even though it was illegal and not socially acceptable, but it was believed to bring the person doing the fucking good fortune and prosperity. What is the orifice of a crocodile? I didn't know that I was going to say that today. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and certainly not oral. <laughs> I've not slept with one. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's like one of the most dangerous animals you could probably have sex with. You haven't met some of my ex-boyfriends. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all dead. <laughs> They've all been eaten by a crocodile. I mean, it brings a whole new aspect to um, Peter Pan and Captain Hook and the crocodile, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. It's got a homoerotic reading. Mm, I quite like that. Um, anyway, uh, moving on. So necrophilia used to happen lots as we touched on, so much so that people would wait a while before calling the embalmers in because they didn't want them to have sex with their uh, dead relative after they're dead. Makes me think of um, Silent Witness. (laughs) Do you think they could do an ancient Egyptian version, (laughs) X-rated? Why does it make you think of Silent Witness? Well, because there's always a dead body having a conversation about, like, what they're going to have for tea or something. (laughs) But they're not shagging it. No, there's a subtle difference. Maybe they're not filming the shagging bit. Um, anyway, moving on. Gender fluidity deeply permeated the Egyptian culture. Gods would go through rebirths all the time where their gender would change. This was also believed to happen to humans in the afterlife. Women did most of the same things as men and vice versa, and female goddesses often had beards. Right on. You, I mean, that's you know, that Tim Molina can get behind. Clearly, I need to get more into... What is this? Is this Coptic religion? No, that's Christianity. What is this? Ancient Egyptian religion? Is this... Uh, yeah. I, could really, I think we need to bring this back. Well, the Egyptian gods were, were, were rehashed by the Greek gods, as I understand it. Yeah. yeah. So, they were still a bit fluid in their sexuality and their gender identity. Well, yeah, Egyptians, Greco... Roman. It was all very de rigueur back then. Sounds like we should just go back. I mean, I'm into everything apart from the necrophilia and the crocodiles. Yeah, I'm here. I hear you. I hear you. I totally hear you. I'm into everything except the necrophilia. <laughs> oh, you'd go for that. <laughs> you'd have a crocodile for a boyfriend and then turn him into a handbag afterwards, wouldn't you? Or a belt. Like a, a collection of belts. <laughs> or some shoes. Could you have the whole shebang could you not have the whole handbag shoes and belt well crocodiles are big enough you probably could <laughs> several times over what do you think about crocodiles crying after they've given a blowjob to someone <laughs> it depends how much, you know if i'm paying for that then fine but if they're just gonna i don't i don't want to nobody likes a whoopsie do they no especially if they're a crocodile crocodile tears i need a little bit of exactly no 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 put yourself together <laughs> Anyway, have we had enough of the Egyptians for no, the time actually, being? For the time being, because we're going to do some agony art questions in Queens of Agony. Right. So, dear old Queens, how do you go about building relationships with gay guys with whom you haven't slept? Admittedly, I have yet to fully understand how gay guys approach friendship building. I'm rather direct and can be too invested in conveying to guys I'm safe and a good guy. Yes, I try too hard, with the goal of minimising any blows from rejection or that you're a weirdo glare. What are some of your lessons learned? Well, 
I don't know. Do you, I mean, I've got things to say about that. What about you, Tom? I don't know if I understand the question fully. There's think... obviously a difference between sexual attraction and friendship. Tim would say to me a lot, um, something along the lines of, you look very attractive in that outfit, but I don't fancy you. But I wouldn't say that. You do say that, that to me. I wouldn't say the I don't fancy you bit, but we've never had a relationship based on No, that. but you would say, but you're not my type, or something like that. What, camping it up and having a laugh? Yes. I'm not saying that. Yes, no, it's not like I go and say, oh, Tom, you look absolutely elegant and completely seductive in that that outfit tonight, but don't try it on me because you're not my type. <laughs> you, you have said that to me. <laughs> chase me, chase me. No, it's interesting. That's why I was thinking about that question because it, it never ceases to amaze me how many gay sex first and then friendship as an afterthought Whereas for me, for numerous reasons, which I don't need to go into right now, that has never been the be all and end all. So, like, I have met gay men and just engaged in having a friendship with them without necessarily even thinking about the sex. But that's not necessarily always the case. I don't know what you two guys think about that. Um, Well, I think this guy's obviously quite inexperienced. I mean, maybe, I mean, it's not a long letter, so we don't really know his background. But it, it feels like he doesn't know how to make he's a bond. Yeah, he, he doesn't know how to make a bond with gay men without having sex with them. And also he feels exactly. feels like he's quite shy and insecure because he's, he's worried about what people think about him. And I think he just needs to relax a little bit and just be himself. I guess also I'm trying to think of this is, this is something... How, we don't know how old he is, do we? No. All we know is that we're three old queens and we don't even get to know how old they are. Right. Well, sometimes they tell us, but they they didn't. Okay. Yeah, I think he maybe. I mean, to be frank, in that if that's the case, I would just say stop thinking with your dick and maybe think with your mind first, and then enjoy your dick more f- from using your mind more. Yeah, that's what I'd say. I think that's very good advice, Tim. Thank you, Tom and Bernsey. Oh well, I didn't say it was good advice, but I think it is. Uh, no. <laughs> okay should we move on oh, that's quite a difficult one i don't really know how to answer that it's it, i think you, you've done a sterling job there tim thanks very much it smells of precociousness it smells of to be honest with you but you've got to be nice haven't you? you've got to keep it fluffy yes indeed <laughs> uh, so yeah stop being a precocious queen and just be yourself and nice to people and maybe they'll like you um exactly. okay dear old queens I've seen that a large percentage of gay men are in long-term relationships and end up getting married. I myself do not plan on ever getting married, mainly due to the fact that I never want my finances or any of my property merged with anyone in any way. I know that you can have prenuptial agreements. However, they do not have to be honoured by judges. If marriage did not involve various financial matters, I would do so. However, as it stands currently, and being a child of divorce, it makes no sense to me. I also just do not understand how being married is supposedly a deeper commitment than any other relationship. In today's world, it feels like an antiquated idea. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but again, I've got quite a lot to say to that because that's almost like me writing the letter, almost to the point where the letter was a bit too involved. But... um. You know, I have divorced parents and it's 
at the time when my parents divorced, it was like having the rug pulled out from under my feet. And to this day, it is a mild bone of contention that something that is really not talked about is the affects of the divorce of parents and the effects that it has on you as an individual and on people who then grow up subsequently with this notion of what it means to experience divorce. Mm. I don't know together. Bernsey, what about you? Um, well, uh, are your the, parents I'm... still married or are they divorced? Uh, my my parents uh, stayed married, but you, you know it wasn't. It was. <laughs> I've been with Mr. Timberlander for fourteen years. We're not married. We neither of us actually agree with it in any way, shape, or form. We've got no. We've got literally no time for it. Again, it's like it's just not how we're programmed. We just don't think that it's anything of any kind of you know importance because our relationship is based on who we are as people living you know sharing our lives together and we like that that's what makes us click and that is all we need and the idea of actually creating some kind of financial rigmarole around that or some kind of agreement is somewhat of an anathema to both of us and 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 it's weird because within that relationship we both lead very separate financial relationships we don't. Sh- this sounds a bit crazy, but we don't share everything. If that makes sense, we have two very separate lives, um, but we are we are unto each other, a couple. And you know, right now, uh, Mr. Timberlina is living here with me in my abode, and it's wonderful. And we. I mean, this is something that we've never really experienced because usually we live separately and have two very separate lives. So this is a very interesting situation to be in. But mm. we're, 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 we're digging it. more in central London and you're, and you're, you yeah. escape to lie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that the um, basically the moral of this story is the key to a long-term relationship is separate houses in separate towns and never seeing each other. No, <laughs> I, I digress. But um, no, I totally, I, I think what this guy, what, who this person is who's written in, I totally fully support you. You don't need to get married. You shouldn't ever feel that you need to get married. I think that it's fine to respect that in other people and if that's something that... They want to do, and indeed, if it's something that perhaps at a later date you just something that compels you. But I completely agree on the on the level in terms of why would you have a prenuptial and actually not getting into any kind of uh, sort of like you know dealio is is the best way to go because then you you have your conviction and you have yourself and you have your you know your your integrity intact. I think money is the dirtiest thing in the world anyway. Um, and uh, love is the love is the key. Sounds like an old cliche, but then hey, I'm an old queen, so I'm allowed to say that. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I I'm a bit concerned that this guy's he's more worried about the financial situation about marriage than than it anything else. Yeah. That, yeah, finance is that. Whose finance is that? We don't know whose finance that is. I think it's his. So, um, and I, I'm of the opinion that if you're dating someone, then you know I'm I'm very loose with my finances anyway. So I don't I don't really care about that kind of situation. Um, you know, uh, like anything else, I respect people's rights yeah, to get married. I don't think I'm going to get married, but and I, I know the reasons for people doing it. So they were covered legally where couples were living together and they didn't have any legal right over that home or finances, like joint or otherwise. And that's why, um, you know, there was an inequality there between um, straight relationships and gay relationships. And, you know, in countries where there is equality on that now, they have the similar rights. And I, you know, I applaud that. I wouldn't be worried about getting married because of finances. I think that's an odd reason. The only thing that really attracts me to marriage is that I could try and make myself look the best ever version that I could possibly be for one day, surrounded by my friends. How long would it take you to find your outfit? 
Like, would you have to structure that whole protocol? Would it be brand new? Would you have a reconditioned ball gown? Like, what was the Yeah, thing? it'd probably be, like, a vintage ball gown, but, like, in ivory or lemon yellow, I think. I think you'd look better in ivory, I have to say. Yeah, I think I prefer an ivory. But, um, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, lo- I love this equality thing, but I think that it's really easy to get up in the... Get re- to kind of get caught up in the whole legal to sort of, I hear what you're saying about the money, and I get that in a certain sense. And it let's also remember that we have uh, civil partnerships, which is slightly different to weddings, which is something that that one can do should should one should one wish to to do so. Listen, I mean, I'm I'm in a very you know fortunate loving relationship whereby. Um, respectively our parents would nobody would ever cause a fuss with what we were doing we we are an open book unto who is beholden to what if god forbid anything happened to anybody but that's also because we've communicated it and so i can also see that were that not necessarily to be the case were god forbid one of us not to have the parents or the background or whatever it was then presume essentially we would use the law to protect ourselves and each other, were that to be something that we felt or deemed to be necessary. Sure. And currently, we don't feel that that is the issue. In terms of it being something that is a statement, I kind of, to be honest, again, find that crass, but that also comes from my background of Quakerism and simplicity and that everything is equal unto each day that comes to it. Uh, and God sees everything within the eyes of everything which exists around us. So everything is pretty much in context. So, yeah, uh, I just, you know, I get it kind of also pushes us into that avenue of where does this idea that we're free and we're equal um, kind of rub shoulders with the idea of being free to be who you want to be and to express yourself and not have to acknowledge any other other terms. And we're incredibly fortunate to live in a society which, whilst flawed, does offer us that freedom. But it's like, it's not perfect. No. I didn't hear any of like, you think that I look better in ivory than lemon yellow? <laughs> well, I just see that someone has got their priorities in the right place. That's all I can say. Um, okay, I think we need to quickly move on before we uh, th- that gets dragged up again. Um, okay, dear old queens, I need some advice on preparing to bottom. What do you guys do to prepare for sex? I've been told so many different things water bottles, douches, and whatnot. Also, if I've never taken one, should I play with a dildo first? What, he's never played with a cock before? Um, I think he's never he's never taken a, a cock in his um, backside. Right. Okay. <laughs> By the sounds of it. I think he's bottoming think... for the first time. He needs to know what to do to prepare for this. I think Justina and I need to up our game, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not have these conversations in no. Life from Rye? I don't think it could be any more opposite, to be to be fair, entirely. I mean, you know, no. I, no, I, no. I was going into a different realm when I mentioned nasal hair. <laughs> exactly. That was a real, like, literally, that was like no stabilizers. <laughs> um, getting back on track, I would douche um, yeah. if it was the first time, yeah. I mean, I think he's so lucky to know that you know what a douche is to sort of have that sort of preparation. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a fine line between over-preparing and overthinking and just mm. enjoying the moment as well, maybe. Yes. But, 
if you can, then yeah, totally uh, look into whatever you need to do. But you know, that stuff's kind of online, and you can have a little play, can't you? As like the ancient Egyptians. What would the ancient Egyptians have done? They'd have had a little play first, then they'd have had a wank, and then they would have. Uh, well, they probably would have tried it out on a corpse beforehand. Um, I think douches and everything are very American, and they're the sort of things which have kind of encroached on our culture in a way, because certainly when I first came out, no one ever talked about douches um, or no. water bottles oh, or whatnot. Thank you, Pansy. I'm so glad you said that, because sometimes I feel it's just me. But no, for fuck's sake, you just get on with it. You know what I mean? You just get on with it. And also... You, know, you deal with... I don't think there should be any shame in it. Like, no. we, you know... Yeah, anal sex is messy. Sometimes, you know, go figure. It, you know, just get used to oh, it. Yeah, Americanism as well. Full stop. It's it's messy. To be fair, I think any kind of sex is messy mm. with whoever you're doing it. I, it's a well-known thing that people don't talk about is the fact mm. that sex is messy. There's a lot of liquids in there. You know what I mean? Right. And you know what I discovered the other day. Never mind what he's playing around with, but just do it on your bed. But if you're going to then clean your bed linen, do it. Otherwise doesn't kill all the germs so i didn't hear what you what they were meant to do the crucial part then are you kind of cut out oh i said that when you wash your wash your bed linen wash it at 60 degrees or more otherwise it doesn't kill all the bugs right okay that's a good that's a top tip never thought of that before and as you know an ecologist i try and keep everything below 30 right Mm. yeah um also to dildo or not to dildo beforehand again i don't you know like Sure. I mean, yeah, if you want to stretch it around and make sure that everything fits, great. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of poppers helps sometimes to oh, accommodate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the person. Depends how big they I are. Say, I have to say, and I can't actually believe that, I'm just going to have a little play around. Doing it in the bath is quite a good place to do it. Because it's nice and warm and wet and loose. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, any final words from you, Tommy, on bottoming for the first time? No, just go for it. Yeah, go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it, babes. Um, I said, obviously, be safe. Yes, of course. Um, So, dear old queens, uh, because of quarantine, I spend a lot more time jerking off and chatting with guys on Grindr or Instagram. I realised that a lot of guys have pictures of themselves wearing white Calvin Klein briefs. I didn't realise that they were so popular. I haven't hooked up with many guys who wear white briefs yet, yet they are always wearing them in the Instapics. Any ideas of why this is? It's a fantasy thing. The white pants is a pure fantasy thing. I have a lover that that only wants to wear white, like wants me to wear white pants and wants him to wear pants. Um... And that's the way it rolls, yeah. I don't really get it myself, but, uh, you know, I appreciate it as a thing. How about you, Tim? Yes. I I tend to agree. Um, And I think as an aesthetic, it is something that you can get a bit obsessed with and sort of wondering why you're not into that and whether that's something you should do. Get over it. They're just, you know, again, they're being being precocious. If you think it's hot, go for it. If you think it's hot, great. If you think... It's hot. Buy a pair. Come on your Instagram or whatever and see how, how the reaction is, you know. But if not, then don't don't worry about it. And, you know, just lower your expectations. I mean, uh, but if back, let's go back to the washing at sixty degrees. Exactly. <laughs> if there were a black pair, you could get away with thirty. You could probably yeah. get away with thirty. Yeah. Um, 
Calvin Klein jeans used to be really big in the 90s. I wasn't sure that they were still big now. I just think a nice pair of underwear is big, isn't it? But do you remember CK1? That yeah. that came out when we were literally 20 years old is still there. Really? It's still a that thing? Literally 100 years ago in some gay years since. Yeah, I used to be the CK1 boy in Debenhams. <laughs> Did you? Give that samples. Yeah. Oh my god! I would have see. That's the thing. I would have looked at you. That's the thing. I would have been like, "Who is that guy? That enigmatic guy like, giving samples of CK?" Cool. Were you in Calvin Klein underwear and He's nothing so else? He's so cool. No, I used to have to wear a black suit, but that was the time of um, heroin chic, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I didn't do that look. Well, I probably did inadvertently. What other underwear could you wear instead of Calvin Klein's? I mean. I think I used to. I don't have any Calvin Klein's at the moment. Oh, you see, you're letting yourself down. That's the problem. I have all sorts Tokyo laundry box, quite a few, you know, jocks of of varying flavors. I wear a lot of David Beckham underwear. Do you? You remind me of David Beckham. (laughs) You're not the first to say that. Now, what would David Beckham look better in, yellow or ivory? I'm thinking possibly yellow, actually. He could be your maid of honour in yellow. <laughs> and what would Posh wear? Would she wear David? Would she? Oh, yeah. They're, uh, yeah. Sickeningly wear the same things all the time, don't they? Mm, I hate that in a couple if they wear the same outfits. It's only because I'm jealous because I'm single. Why in ivory than lemon? I'm just agreeing with our guest. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm colourblind, so what the fuck do I know? Do you know? Don't see colour. That's the, that's the clue. Exactly. I think Janet Jackson said that. <laughs> I thought she was in control. Um, she is in control, yes. All right. She is in control. Well, can she, can, can she stop this pandemic quite quickly? Because uh, I've had enough of it already. Really? Can yeah. we, like, cut to the face? How is your mental health going? Uh, how do you think it's going? It's, I'd say it's variable and uh constantly changing in a constant state of flux uh, mm-hmm. long, long periods of complete bafflement with occasional moments of uh, extreme creativity scuppered by not quite knowing what the meaning of anything is and why we're here and what we're doing um and then there's this whole weird thing about your where is your career going and what should what what, what should one be doing and that's what I've really enjoyed about it is it feels like I'm aware of less of an ego going on, like because there's aware that there's always an aware because you know, the way that we work, we're often we're often comparing ourselves with each other and other people, and I really feel that there's less of that and there's more a spirit of making sure that everyone's all right. That's what I've really enjoyed. I want to, I want that spirit to carry on. Well, let's hope yes, it does. Really- um yeah i'm uh, i mean obviously i'm homo alone so i i i vary from it's okay to it's like i really am so bored with this now i want i just want to go out and have a drink and with my friends and chat and laugh and dance you know and is it is it a live experience yeah it's a live experience it's proximity of people that you care about hugs you know banter it would be lovely to have done this podcast with all of us in the same room because I think it would have uh, the it would have been a lot more 
I don't know, natural in a way, and we would have bounced off each other a little bit more. But as it is, I'm waiting two seconds to hear what both of you say. So totally, totally. I mean, and I'm finding this with like trying to. I think Tommy, Tommy, and I have had this conversation. I think that like trying to translate what we do in as performers and then put that into a sale, a virtual context, like putting it online. What does that mean? I'm supposed to do that. Well, like I'm supposed to climb in and do a zoom bingo. It's like, well, I could do that and it might be fun, but it's not, do you know what I mean? It's not the same by any stretch, not even performer. I don't even get the idea of like doing that entertaining because it feels like it's not even the full show, let alone like, how do you charge? Like, would you charge for doing something online right now when all of these formats that we have are just totally impaired by a, a non-consistent bandwidth, which means that it's, it's never consistent. And there are people, by the way, charging quite a lot of money for online gigs, which I find a little bit awkward to um, engage with. Or justify. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Or justify. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, is he talking about you, Tommy? Have you been asked to do the bingo online? <laughs> um, that's none of your goddamn business, Tommy <laughs> Marshman fans page. But I already had that before. And thank God, thank God I already had that building before the lockdown because that's been good to me. Uh, oh, your only fans page? Yeah, no, it hasn't. I'm just kidding. But I just, it's such a crazy idea that actually uh, from, with an, from an entrepreneurial point of view then that would be a really that could be a way to move forwards do you know i just want to share with you yeah if i may because i'm talking a lot i'm aware of that sorry um oldest huxley do you know who oldest huxley is um was he queer i'm not sure i like to think maybe he was but he was you know tall he was definitely an outsider right anyway he wrote this story called the machine stops and it's this it's a really short story but it's so compact it's so full it's I find it really, it's like 50 years long, but it's just, it's so dense. And it's about this guy escaping from his world in which he lives in. And it's, you know, all of the cliche, every every conceivable cliche you could want to talk about, you know, this hyper-industrialized world. And he makes an escape down this kind of like tunnel and he is chased by, you know, he gets caught in the weeds in order to grab onto this starship of which there are only one or two which travel really rarely to get from A to B because he's trying to find his mother Anyway, his mother is living in this box and she kind of does everything in this box and she converses through these things on the wall and there are these tubes. This is in the 19... Is it early 30s? 1930s? Oldest Hoxley's writing a story. The machine stops. Anyway, this guy eventually gets to his his mother and I think the the... the, the you know the denouement is the fact that he's trying to say to his mom you know hey a i love you and i've come all this way to say to you that i love you in person and you don't give a shit because you virtual pilates lesson on the video which is what you think is the most important thing in your world i'm paraphrasing um but it's i'm just finding this experience i mean not not least the fact that aldous huxley wrote this literally like a hundred years ago and it's so prophetic but um, I just, yeah, I'm looking at this world that we're living in now in terms of, like, how do you put stuff out there that people engage with collectively? And it's just very weird. It's very odd. It's very unconnected. Yes. Well, I think you're already doing it with um, Live from Rye. Um, we're hopefully doing it with What That Old Queen. Um, but it's obviously very different from your live performances, both of you. And uh, hopefully we're bringing a little bit of joy into people's lives uh, as this yeah. pandemic goes on and we're all on lockdown. 
Anyway, on that and note, to- I think we're at the end of our show. Did you have one last um, word? Underwear is, is hot to look on anyone. I think Calvin Klein underwear is, is hot. Okay, <laughs> that's the last word. Calvin Klein underwear is hot. Tommy? I've just listened to Grace Collington's autobiography and she's got a lot to say about um, Calvin Klein. All good. Great. I like where that's going. I'm oh. not sure I like her as a person, but... Personally, I prefer an Aussie bum. Um, anyway, on that note, um, we will leave you. It's the end of our show. Say goodbye, Tim. Goodbye, darlings, and be safe. <laughs> Say goodbye, Tommy. Goodbye. Love you lots. <laughs> goodbye. We'll catch you next time on What That Fault. Queen. You have been listening to What That Old Queen. Written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges. The show was produced by Bernie Hodges in spring 2020 for Hodge Podcast. If you would like to sponsor this show, or you'd like to be a guest, or you just have a question for the old queens, you can email at hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. What? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.